I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All these guys who run these organizations who talk about analytics, they have one thing in common. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get the game. Welcome to VEASAN's Hardwood Handicappers. As you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No, geek. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. What's up, folks? Yeah, live edition of Hardwood Handicapper, special edition on this Sunday, live from the NBA Summer League of the Thomas and Mack Center. A fantastic day of NBA action in this showcase. We had a lot going on already in the first two games. We had a really good show on tap for you today. Coming up in 15 minutes, we're going to talk with uh, your own Weitzman, NBA writer, Fox Sports, talk a little bit about everything and touch on some of the aspects of James Harden opting out uh, and some of the different ways to look at that on top of Tom Byrne joining us at the bottom of the hour at 3.45 p.m. Pacific time. But let's start with the action that's taking place today because it's actually been a really fun day worth of games. Uh, we got a couple that are underway. The first two, though, are in the books. Brooklyn Nets getting 91-84 win over the Philadelphia 76ers here at the uh, Thomas and Mack Center. And worth pointing out a couple of things from some of these games. Now, a couple of these guys, right, they're established players. In fact, uh, there's reports out there that a Cam Thomas who had another good game today from a scoring standpoint, not too efficient. 26 points, but 5-17 from the floor. Seven assists uh, maybe out there, rumors, uh, that he could be worth a first-round pick that some teams have been calling the Brooklyn Nets, but a good performance from Brooklyn. I would say uh, some spots uh, having them as the highest rated team coming into this NBA Summer League, uh, but the Brooklyn Nets get another victory here over the Philadelphia 76ers. And also the other game, this was a really good one, Pacers and Kings. Kings have a double-digit lead. Pacers come storming back, take a late lead, but Keegan Murray and the Sacramento Kings get their first win here at the Vegas Summer League. Both teams drop to 1-1. One and one. Murray, the story, uh, Murray looked really comfortable. He continues to look comfortable uh, in these Summer League games, both, uh, of course, here and the ones they played. I think it was Salt Lake, but 23 points, 7 to 16 from the floor, late 3 from Keegan Murray. Uh, that pretty much puts the Kings on top for good. But Benedict Mathurin as well for Indiana. And this is going to matter because we're going to get into the rookie of the year market and how these odds have shifted as the Summer League has gone along and some of the winners early on from the Summer League. Uh, Benedict Mathurin is a really good 15 points, 6 to 16 from the floor, uh, 1 of 4 from 3 point range, but two comfortable games for him. And you really like, I think, some of the uh, pieces that the Indiana Pacers have overall. Andrew Nemhard been super impressed with him again today, 13 points, five and nine, five rebounds and three assists in that game for the Indiana Pacers. Two games that are underway right now. Wizards and Suns going at it. Bulls and Knicks currently about to reach a halftime with about 111 left to go. Big game later today, though, and this is what really worth hitting on because the world is going to see James 
we're going to see James Wiseman for the first time in a while as the Golden State Warriors and San Antonio Spurs will meet at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, that's the story of that one as we're looking forward to see what Wiseman looks like. And we well, assume it's some limited minutes. And Moses Moody uh, went hard in their loss to New York. Of course, 34 points, 8 of 13, 3 of 7, 3-point range. Kaminga, highlight dunk in that one, uh, but overall 2 of 10. So we get to see the Warriors, who a lot of people had a big expectations for, and really a lot of eyes are going to be on what one James Wiseman looks like. Uh, but some of the big stories, as we've kind of seen up to this point in the NBA Summer League, I think you begin and end with Paolo Bencaro uh, in the Summer League by storm through two games. 20 points on 58.3% shooting, five rebounds, six assists per game. And it's funny, we go back to Chet Holmgren's debut in the Summer League right about a week ago or so, maybe a little bit less than that. Uh, has six blocks, a Summer League record, looks absolutely tremendous. Uh, vaults to the top of the odds board in terms of winning Rookie of the Year. Uh, but as you can see at some spots, uh, Paolo Bencaro, the favorite now to win Rookie of the Year. And you could very much argue that this has been a very impactful two games for Paolo Bencaro and that he, as he has looked very comfortable in multiple facets, running some of the offense, his passing has really come on strong, it seems, too. Uh, but the market kind of shifting here. One big game for Chet Holmgren's fine, uh, but Paolo Bencaro has shown some really consistent efforts, and you see Paolo Bencaro plus 350 to win Rookie of the Year right ahead of Chet Holmgren. Jabbar Smith at 4-1, to one, as is Holmgren. Jaden Ivey, who we'll get to momentarily at 7-1, to one, and then the rest of the guys that we're talking about, Keegan Murray, Benedict Mather, and Dyson Daniels, and Shaden Sharp. So let's talk about some of the other news that comes out of the Summer League that could impact some of what we're talking about here. In fact, it focuses on Jaden Ivey and Shaden Sharp, uh, both hit with injuries. Ivey goes down after a three-point attempt in the first quarter. Pistons win over the Wizards on Saturday. Uh, overall, two games worth of action, limited action, but 15 points per 50% shooting. Detroit's leading scorer Thursday night in their opening win over Portland. So, Ivy, I think you've got to be pretty impressed so far. The speed, by the way, can I just say, like watching them in person and being here, uh, the speed in person for Ivy, is, it's legitimate. It is real when you watch him sprint up and down the court. Really impressive to watch right in front of your face. But the Pistons, they play again on Tuesday. Wouldn't really be surprising to see maybe uh, that Ivy is going to be done for the rest of the summer league. We'll see. He actually tweeted out that it wasn't a really big deal. But we tend to see that some of these teams, hey, you're a little cautious. You, you invest a lot in top five picks. And so when you're looking at a guy like Jaden Ivy, if there's a small leak, uh, maybe you see a limit or maybe we don't see him again. Uh, by the way, the Pistons, you got to be impressed. There's a couple of these teams that we have seen over the last couple of seasons, and the Pistons are now becoming one of them, that are really good at like spot out young talent, kind of hoarding it, and Jalen Duren has performed really well. You have other guys on this roster that played really well in two games in the Summer League, too. Saban Lee, Braxton Key, some fantastic minutes. So the Pistons, there are a few teams that have looked really impressive up to this point, at least by my own opinion. The Kings have looked really good. I've mentioned the Indiana Pacers. I think you throw the Pistons in there, too, and as well, of course, uh, the Orlando Magic, because it hasn't just been Ben Caro, as Caleb Houston is really good. 43.8% shooting. Most of it, like the catch-and-shoot attempts have looked a little bit smoother, uh, but Houston has been really good for the Orlando Magic while adding six rebounds per game. So, Jaden Ivey getting injured, that's a big bit of news coming out of the Summer League. And, of course, uh, Shaden Sharp done for the rest of the Summer League. If you haven't seen these reports, small Abram tear in his left shoulder. He's going to be reevaluated in the next 10 to 14 days. So that has him out for the Portland Trailblazers for the rest of the Summer League. And that kind of stinks. I mean, obviously you want to see this kid, but this has been the biggest mystery, right? It was the biggest mystery coming into the draft. Uh, it's the biggest mystery coming out. Everybody excited to finally see some action. And you do see a little bit uh, in that game against the Pistons, a really tough, like, baseline turnaround jumper that looked really really, really nice, and then he has to go to the locker room, and then we don't see him again. So the mystery that is Shaden Sharp that we have seen in little flashes here and there, and they are flashes of brilliance, let me say, 
Um, but it's going to have to wait a little bit till we can see more extended action from Sharp because he is going to be done for the rest of the Summer League. Some other standouts as well, and again, kind of tying these back, because I do think this is important. Like, we're talking about going into next year. We're talking about, again, evaluating some potential rookie of the year candidates as well, uh, watching how these guys perform. You don't want to take a lot out of Summer League play, but seeing how these guys look really comfortable. Uh, one dude that I'm really excited to watch here as we get into some more of these games, we're going to see him later today. Uh, Ochai Baji has looked, re looked really good in that first game. Matt Humans, of course, my co-host on the edge, uh, very much an Akbaji fan. 16 points, 5 from the floor, 4 9 from three-point range in his summer league debut. Uh, that is going to be something to watch. The Cavaliers are getting on the Denver Nuggets, actually in about an hour and a half, a little bit more than that. Um, right, actually, behind me here at the Thompson Max Center. So we're going to be able to see that up close and whether Ochai Baji is going to continue to perform very well. That's a really intriguing piece because I think he fits really well with his ability to play defensively. I mentioned this to Matt the other day. Uh, when you talk about the ability to win Rookie of the Year, like Scotty Barnes, for example, one of the things that really pushed Scotty Barnes forward in allowing him to win that award this last year uh, was his ability, not only on offense, but his ability on defense and the way that he looked, I think, really swung a lot of voters in his direction. And Evan Mobley did too, but he had some injury issues and a little bit of a slower stretch uh, when we were finishing throughout the regular season, allowing Barnes to surpass him. But Agbaji has that. He's got two-way potential all the way around, I think. And when you're talking about some of the longer shots on the Rookie of the Year board, that's going to be something to circle and to watch here as Agbaji and the Summer League move on uh, because we're really going to see how much more comfortably he looks. And if he can really start to provide like shooting and scoring on top of fitting really well defensively next to Darius Garland and in that system for Cleveland, uh, you're going to have a legitimate shot. And we should also note, too, and I've said this a lot when we talk about the NBA, like these guys come into this league, they are so like they are so good. They're willing, they, they're ready to come in day one. You see, it seems year after year, rookie classes get deeper and deeper and deeper, and it's really exciting because one, if you're a fan of the league, you're excited because there's a lot of young stars that are, have ability to play and entertain us and play really good basketball for the next few years. But it also makes handicapping some of these markets like a rookie of the year pretty intriguing because when you have such talented players like that, and there's so many votes to go around for some of these guys, uh, it's it's, it's a fascinating thing to keep track of. And Obaji is going to be one of the many, many young guys that are coming in and going to be vying for that award. So the rest of the day so far, as we look at the schedule, mentioned the Denver Nuggets taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Cavs are going to be the forefront of that and whether Obaji is going to look really good. We talked about the Golden State Warriors. James Wiseman expected to make his return to basketball activities tonight. So we'll see if that's going to look uh, anything. You know, again, you're not expecting much. You just want to see him out there because we haven't seen him in such a long time. And then we get the later games too. Minnesota Timberwolves taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies do have an intriguing roster, although the result was not that great when we saw them the first time a couple of days ago. Uh, but Kenneth Lofton has performed somewhat consistently, and then we have the known commodities on this roster as well all the way around. For the Memphis Grizzlies, too, that have performed pretty well. And guys we have seen in games, too, right? Xavier Tillman and others, Zaire Williams. So it's the Memphis Grizzlies team, too, that a lot of people had, you would say, expectations for coming into the Summer League, we'll put it that way. Um, but this is um, a team that is looking to bounce back, and again, really good young talent that you want to watch. And then uh, the nightcap, too, Hornets and Lakers, uh, as when we saw the Lakers for the first time, the result uh, much, uh, I think it was a little disappointing, you know, considering what some were expecting coming into that matchup and what you saw from an output standpoint as they were blasted by the Suns on Friday night. So that rounds out the rest of the Monday night slate, or excuse me, the Sunday night slate. And Monday is going to be absolutely fantastic, too, as you look ahead uh, to what those games are going to be. Magic and Thunder playing one another. The Thunder's young core has looked 
just as exciting as you expected when you talk about the bodies that they have on that roster and the potential that that roster has three, four years down the road. And we talked about the Magic and how well they have done up to this point, too. And then the late game, I mean, look, the Knicks right now, as we talk about the Summer League and the way that these games are live, they're up 59-24 over the Chicago Bulls. And if you remember before the Summer League started, it was the Knicks who I had circled as one of the three teams to kind of watch as we talk about success in a Summer League format. And it has looked really good so far. And Quentin Grimes has looked very comfortable at halftime. 18 points, two rebounds, three assists as the Knicks again up really big on the Chicago Bulls. Uh, by my math, I got 35 points, uh, but I'm not great at math on the fly so far. So, all right, we have a really good show on tap coming up in the second hour as well. Julian Edlow from DraftKings is going to join you on set. He's here in Vegas, so we'll talk uh, everything NBA. Julian, a fantastic NBA handicapper, had a really good season this past regular season, so it's going to be great to dive into a lot of the aspects of how you handle an offseason in terms of getting ready for the next regular season. And big weekend of the WNBA. It was All-Star game today. So Daniel Alvari, as she usually does at the end of the show, is going to join us, get her thoughts as we head into the second half of the WNBA season, uh, specifically the Las Vegas Aces, the dynasty, the dominant team at once was it kind of falling off, so we'll see if they have it. It's Hardwood Handicappers live from the NBA Summer League. Welcome to VEASAN's Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All 
All right, Harvard Handicappers back live from the Thomas and Max Center. Special guest at the set, your own Weitzman is with us. NBA writer, Fox Sports, also very much worth pimping. Author, tanking to the top, Philadelphia 76ers, and the most audacious process in the history of professional sports. I got the whole thing. It's a hell of a title. Yeah, right? it is, right. Uh, it's funny, when I was typing it out, I was like, oh, yeah, it keeps going. But no, it's a really good, really good book. You have to fit process in there. Yeah. The book here, I'll give you, now we're off topic, but the book was supposed to be called The Process. Okay. Um, and let's just say there may or may not have been a threat end of a lawsuit because a certain sixer may or may not have a copyright of the name okay. of the process. So we had to change in the last minute. So okay. that's part of the problem All right. there. Maybe a Troel uh, of uh, sorts. Well, I don't know what you're saying. Uh, uh, so well, actually, that's perfect because I wanted to open up with the Philadelphia 76ers. And first off, the latest with Harden. So uh, we get the report opting out, obviously. Team guy, right? Taking a $15 million yeah. pay cut. Uh, we'll start with that. So he's really taking this $15 million to help out the Philadelphia 76ers, huh? Um, that's what it would appear to be. Yeah, yeah. that is true. That because is true. I kind of wanted to spin the – like, there's ways to spin it, right? There's like, hey, man, Harden's a team guy. Everybody looks at him in a pretty negative light, especially after what happened in the last few years. Um, so this is really a cool, selfless act. We can also look at the reported details and go, yeah, but there's an opt-out after year one. And so how does that work for him? Because in where we've seen like a Bradley Beal sign a long-term extension, where we saw Kevin Durant sign four years, uh, at one point the one and one was the norm. And now we're seeing more long-term deals, but this is now the one and one for James Harden, who if there's another early loss, the questions are going to start yet again next offseason. Um, no, that's fair, right? So he can, the one and one means he can opt out if he has a great year and gets in shape like everyone. We've seen the narrative and you can poke fun at it, but yeah. I do genuinely think he's going to, try to attack this offseason in a different sort of way and get in shape and it's just again I, I feel this as an NBA reporter forget even playing like it's nice being back to the normal NBA calendar right we haven't had this in how many seasons now two, this is going to be it's, two and it's a half been a crazy system. it's been a crazy setup here so and if I feel that as somebody covering the league I think a player can relate to that too um, so I do think we're going to see something different there and if he has a season that I'm sure he thinks he can 100% he can opt out and get whatever his max or whatever number it is yep. so that's definitely like you know it's not all benevolence but he could have also grabbed um a higher number and just said give me this higher give me the number or opted into his player option which he declined he has a lower number which allowed them to go get pj tucker um so yeah listen they have pj tucker for three years and harden guaranteed for one so you can poke at it like that and yep. say is that great but they're trying to win a championship now and their team now is much better than it was last year and well positioned. So as much as we can poke fun and I can, you know, joke and we can make the Rick Rubin jokes in there, which I'm sure you're going to ask me about. And there's always that relationship. And maybe there is, I don't know. Um, this, the Sixers are in a good position and hard and help them get there. So I'm not going to ask about that because we're more about like hardcore basketball, right? Okay. So we want the results. See, when you talk about especially big picture, the regular season betting and everything, it's more about on the court. So I'll ask you this then. So like, I like what the 76ers did. Like, I, I like this offseason. I like DeAnthony Melton and P.J. Tucker and, and Daniel House. And people are making jokes like, hey, 2019 Rockets. But I think this is a team that needed three, like needed more shooting, needed more defense, and they're adding that in, I think, a couple of these pieces. Rumored to be sniffing around Eric Gordon still potentially. I started some reports there. Depending on where Durant goes, I think you could talk yourself into being Philly, like second, third best team in the Eastern Conference, can't you? Yeah, well, I'll put it more simple. Like, they're going to be a championship contender all yeah. year. Like when you talk about the circle of contenders and when we enter the playoffs, assuming, again, assuming Embiid's healthy and that's the biggest thing with the Sixers, um, they're going to be in the group of like, yeah, they can win a championship. Why not? And they probably, they will probably be disappointed if they don't make the finals, right? I assume, yeah. I assume that's the goal. The goal is to make the finals. They're going to be disappointed if they don't. They have Embiid is... I don't know, top best player in the NBA, two, three, Arby. whatever it is, right? Whatever your cutoff is. If you have that guy and you have talent around him, you want to make the finals. And I agree with you. Um, I like the moves they made. De'Anthony Melton is going to, they could use some young legs, some bounce, and he's going to give them that. P.J. Tucker is an upgrade over George Yang. George Yang was basically their sixth man last year. I like George Yang. That should not, in the playoffs, dumb. 
that should not be the case. PJ Tucker is a better version of that. Yeah, they are much better now than they were last year. So, so you credit. If, like, as we look at them right now, and we saw what happened last year, one of the things that always comes up with Harden is like postseason performances. And yeah. the good performances usually come in like either the first game of a series or up comfortably in a series, whatever it is. And, and there's also just the, the play of James, like over the last, like, I'd say half a season. Because I, I contend that people forget that first year in Brooklyn, that stretch where he was by himself, he was arguably an MVP. And he was playing extremely well. Where do you think Harden is at now with his, like, his level of play? Like I say he's still a top 25 guy, probably closer to 25 than to 10, but he's still a legitimate player of this league. And I feel like a lot of people forget like just how good he can be, especially if guys like Maxi's development is real, which it seems like the case. He's going to be like a third or 2A. I think it's a pretty good position for him. Yeah, I would say, and forget what I said. I mean, Sixers clearly think yeah. that he's that guy. I remember at the end of the season talking to a GM at another team and he said, no, he's easily a top 25 guy. Like if you get him up 30 million or whatever the number is, I forgot the final number now. Um, that's good value for that. Like that guy usually gets more. So yeah, this, the postseason is definitely a problem and he's gonna have to prove that he can um, thrive in the postseason, both in terms of how he plays, but also his approach, right? And we've seen that again, at the end of last year, after the game when he's yeah. saying um, the ball, whatever the quote was, the ball never got back to me. Yeah, it never got me. back to me in the second half of that um, game, yeah. Yeah, that's, that just can't happen. And he, I, I think he would, I don't know. I don't know him well. I'm assuming he would say, yeah, that was a ridiculous quote. Maybe I'm wrong, right? Yeah. Um, you mentioned Maxi. That's a big part of this, too. Like, the Maxi curve will kind of allow what you're going to try to catch is, you know, if Harden's declining a little bit, Maxi going up, and you can basically have a three-headed monster behind Embiid. And again, the Embiid part is huge here. Like, Harden, we can focus on Harden, but Embiid... When he's when he's healthy, you can argue. I will not argue if you say he's your top. You know, you want to win one game. Who you going with? He's the guy you're going with that game. Like, there's no argument. You can pick other guys, but like that's not wrong. Yeah. That's how good he is. So I want to go around the league for a couple of other topics too, because uh, I really like what Philly did. But there's some interesting things that I think are popping up. Really, uh, first off, Lillard, so two-year extension, allegedly signed it here uh, yes. in, in Vegas, 122 million dollars. So I, and it's going to keep him through 2026. All good contracts are signed in Vegas. <laughs> I'm sure. Yes, uh, there are none that have short shelf lives that maybe you want to go back and get rid of uh, about a week or something, or maybe when you wake up the next morning. Uh, so, like, my question, I guess, would just be like, what do you think? Lillard sees in Portland because there's some really good pieces there, but if the end goal is winning a title, and especially where the Western Conference is, the way it's constructed right now, I don't know what the path is there. You know what I mean? Like, they're yeah, a good team. Yeah, I think he's making his, he's saying that, not that winning a title isn't important, but that's not the sole priority. Yeah. Um, and I respect that, right? And it's something to be said. Um, they're going to be good this year, I expect. I'm yeah. not saying, like, again, we're talking about circle of contenders, they will not be that, but I... Top six? Yeah, I mean, well, the West is loaded. You can yeah. you can read off ten teams and like you know, and they all expect to be in the top six. So you know, obviously some are going to be left out, but Portland's going to be competing for one of those spots, I would expect. Um, I know Shaden Sharp got hurt. People there before that loved him. Um, thought he looked great. We're really excited about him. Um, going back to Lillard, yeah, he just he's making the bet that this is more important to me being in one place and. Again, they're taking care of him financially. Yeah. He probably could have gotten that contract somewhere else, but he's going to make a lot of money, and he's going to probably have another extension. Like the money's coming in, so it's again not all benevolence. Um, but it's kind of cool to see a guy decide I'm going to I'm going to bet on this. And I think it's not that player movement's bad. It's that the idea is there is something to be gained, or players there is value to a player to staying in a market. Like mm -hmm. you become a legend. It opens up. You remember it in a different sort of way than if you're kind of bouncing around, and that's something. So it doesn't mean guys who leave are bad. It just means that there is value to staying to guys. Well, it's like Beal, right? Like we, I mentioned Beal passing really quickly a couple minutes ago, but like I think a lot of people look at a guy like Bradley Beal, like you can force your way out and go somewhere. Well, that's one. So he could still force his way out, right? Yeah, right that's the one. That's the big thing. Um, it's got a no trade clause, though. Correct. Yeah. Well, that just means if I, I say I want to get out, I'm right. going to tell you where I'm going. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's one. That one's uh, make sure no, you know, no Washington people behind me. <laughs> but I, I can't. Uh, I don't understand that from the, the Wizards. I think missed the uh, boat there. Yeah, I trade him a couple of years ago. Okay, that was a mistake. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what what ends up. And it seems like that's the case because I was asked too, like, hey, he's got a no trade clause. Why do you do that? And like you said, it's just more like when you want to get out of here, I can tell you where I want to go. If you're a player, you want to get as much power as you can. So you want to get player options and no trade clause. I mean, no trade clause. No one gets. Who was the last guy to get one? I don't remember. The list yeah. is, um, you know, like Larry Bird. I'm only half kidding, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, the Beal thing. I mean, again, the Washington thing is different because. Portland, we're talking about competing, and again, hope no hope Tommy Shepard's not hanging out here. Um, the uh, you know Portland's going to win 45 games, let's say. Like Washington's like they're competing for a 10 seed. That's 33. Yeah. It's a big difference. Yeah. Well, they, I, I say like Washington's got a whole bunch of like B guys, like some talent, like some good guys. They, they they can perform pretty well, but at the end of the day, if Bill's healthy, you're competing, like you said, play-in spot at, at the most there. All right. So I ask you this: So we have with this off season that's crazy, right? We have Kevin Durant requesting a trade, Kyrie Irving potentially on the move. We have Rudy Gobert go to Minnesota. We have Atlanta picking up DeJounte Murray. But at the end of the day, we talked about the West, and I keep looking at the West and going, Golden State's going to be, I think, better this year with the young talent. The Clippers are going to be full, you would assume, and I think they're the best team in the Western Conference personally. Nuggets are going to get healthy. All these moves, and I think there's just these teams at the top are still in their own kind of echelon at this point. Yeah, I would say. Well, we have to see what happens. KD is going to be the... Yeah. Um, what happens there will obviously determine a lot of this. Like, if he ends up in Phoenix, mm -hmm. like a lot of people think, then they're right there. Um, I agree with you on the... Uh, those are, to me, the three favorites coming out of the West, for sure. I think those teams are all, each one of them is awesome. Yeah. Um, Denver, I think Denver's fantastic. Clippers, again, Golden State. Um, but just as a fan, though, it's still fun seeing, you know, Atlanta's going to be better. Minnesota's going to be better. Like, there are going to be a lot of good teams this year because of some of these deals, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. All right, you're on Whitesman again. Uh, NBA writer, Fox Sports author, tanking to the top. That I got the whole title. That's first fine. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, cool. So make sure you check all that. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. What are you uh, What are you going to check out right now? Are you going to go watch anything? Or? I'm going to go get some coffee. Actually, I think okay. that's going right. to be one of those. I got almond milk latte over there. <laughs> no, it's actually pretty, pretty good. good with vanilla. So it's solid. <laughs> Thank you. All right, your own Whitesman again uh, joining us here on the set here live from the Thomas and Mack Center. Uh, we're not done though. When we come back, we got a lot to get to. Tom Byrne, host series six M, is going to join us in about 20 minutes. Get his uh, thoughts on what we've seen up to this point so far. Ed Lowe is going to join us in the second hour too. On the other side, though, let's talk a little Lakers. Jason Timp, uh, host. For the volume, of course, is going to join us. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Lakers and the move around Kyrie. Reports, of course, about what that price could be for Kyrie Irving and what the Lakers are looking for. We'll touch on all of that and more when we come back. It's Harvard Handicappers live from the Summer League at the Thomas and Max Center. Vicen's Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. Back here at the Thomas and Mack Center, but before we get to basketball, I want to talk about baseball. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Horn in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. In our weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes, head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 and older only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Back at the concourse of the Thomas and Mack Center NBA. Summer League, of course, is the spot here for Harvard Handicappers and VSIN. Got a really good setup here. Uh, awesome to sit around and watch all the great basketball minds walk around. We got some good guests, of course, coming up uh, in 15 minutes. Tom Byrne from SiriusXM Mad Dog Sports Radio is going to join us. Second hour, Julian Nedlow, uh, content specialist over at DraftKings. Good NBA handicap will be with us live on set, and we'll touch on the WNBA with Danielle Alvari, who joins us at the bottom of the last hour. But 
Uh, let's talk a little Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Jason Timp, who works for the Volume Sports, uh, hosts a podcast for them. He's a Lakers guy, touches on everything in the NBA. Uh, but I got to sit down with Jason the other day and we talked a lot about a lot of things. Bone of the Play You conversation, of course, not only about the Lakers, what some of these offseason moves, but opening up with Los Angeles and what this is going to look like in terms of trading for Kyrie Irving. The reports continue to come out in terms of what that package might look like here. Some of it revolves around a first-round pick, but here was Tim the other day. So there's a combination of things happening. I think the Nets know they can get a first-round pick from the Lakers, and so they're right now, because they know that offer's there, they're going out looking for more and trying to use that to leverage the Lakers into maybe giving that second first-round pick. I've also heard that there's a little bit of an internal dispute over whether or not they should go after Kyrie or they should go after Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. And to be honest, when I saw that, I had to pause for a second right? because I'm not entirely sure which way I would go, but I lean slightly towards Kyrie because I think you can manufacture the uh, the Miles Turner, Buddy Heald stuff with other lower-level players. There's nothing you can do to replicate what Ky Kyrie Irving can do on a basketball court, especially in a playoff setting. He's a very unique talent in that sense, so I think I'd go the Kyrie route, and I do believe that ends up getting done. So let me ask you this, though, because one of the things that I've been talking about with Kyrie, which is at this point right now, one of the things that you have to take into account is, is he going to be there? Like, is he going to be there and playing games what, with whatever reason it is, whether it's what happened last year, he's just kind of, Fickle is Fickle has a negative kind, you know, turn, like continuity to it. You know what I'm talking about? Is will he be there for a majority of these games? Two out of the three years he plays what 26 games or fewer for the Brooklyn mm -hmm. Nets. What's the trust that this kind of writes the ship a little bit here? And you're going to get I'd even say 55 plus games from Kyrie next year. Here's the deal: you don't know. Yeah, you just absolutely have no idea whether or not he's going to be available. But the Lakers do not have the luxury of turning away talent. Yeah. You know, I was joking with some people last night. How many NBA starter level level players are currently under contract for the Lakers? I say two: LeBron James and Anthony Davis. <laughs> the Laker fans I talked to would throw Taylor Horton Tucker into that. Mix. Yeah, and I would vehemently disagree. <laughs> so my point is, is they the the Lakers are a unique match for Kyrie because they're desperate and they do not have the luxury to turn away talent. And Again, all you can hope is that the overwhelming public pressure combined with LeBron James and his ability to manage personalities will be enough to bring the best out of Kyrie. But again, you have to acknowledge the reality that it's a risk. The best indicator of future performance is past performance, and Kyrie has shown us he's unreliable. So if he ends up being unreliable, that just means that came true, which is to be expected. So let's say they get Kyrie Irving. Where do you put the Los Angeles Lakers in the Western Conference overall? That's tough. My, my gut says third. I'd put him behind Golden State and the Clippers. Yeah. I think the Clippers are the biggest team that can threaten Golden State this year. Golden State letting Otto Porter and Gary Payton go as well I thought was a mistake. Obviously, money was a huge part of that, but uh, you're making yourself weak on the margins with two players that were very important to them there. So the Lakers get into that mix, and they certainly have a puncher's chance, but they just don't have enough NBA-level talent the rest of the roster around LeBron, Kyrie, and AD to be like a surefire top-tier contender, if that makes sense. Right, no, it does. And I think one of the things I think you like, too, is they went in a little different direction in the offseason, right? When you're talking about Juan Toscano, Anderson, Troy Brown Jr., Damian Jones, like you go more athletic, you go a little bit younger, your depth, I think, kind of feels a little bit better, don't yeah. you think, as you move into the regular season? I do like that vibe. You know, they ditched the – they've got more defensive-minded players now. You can actually look down the roster and see Troy Brown Jr., you know, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Stanley Johnson, Austin Reeves. These are all defensive-minded players, and I think that will go a long way to fixing some of the psychological issues that last year's team had. And the one thing that worries me is they're very young. 
Yeah. And I wonder how much LeBron in a in year 20 will have patience for it. Yeah, because yeah. again, the entire roster now, Kyrie would be their second old. Like Kyrie is is 30, I believe, and he would be his oldest teammate. Yeah. So a roster full of guys in their 20s, Kyrie and LeBron seems like a really interesting mix of personalities. So what about the change at the top then? You know, a lot of. I thought that Frank Vogel got a little bit of unfair flack for everything that went down. I mean, he, I thought he did a brilliant job with that team defensively, especially the year they won the title. Uh, Darvin Ham comes in. What do you expect in terms of a change there? I loved the Darvin Ham yeah. signing. And, you know, obviously there's some X's and O's stuff that I won't get into that is a seamless transition from what they were doing in Milwaukee. But the thing that I like the most about it is LeBron and AD need a, a coach that resonates with them. And Darvin Ham kind of represents this new iteration of head coaches where it's like former NBA player, but recently role player, tough guy, you know, like the kind of guy that kind of has like a a big personality that can actually look these guys in the face and get them to buy in. You're seeing that with Jason Kidd. You're seeing that with Ime Udoka. You're seeing that with Ty Lue. Like that archetype of coach is starting to have a lot of success in the NBA right now. I thought it was the right move. Two moves, Minnesota, Atlanta. Which one did you like more and why? Oh, man. Ugh. I don't love either of right. them. I think I, I, I would I'd lean slightly towards Gobert because in theory they, they still they they still have enough perimeter defensive talent to have a functional defense. I'm worried about their depth now, but in theory, in a playoff setting, if Carl Towns is comfortable operating on the perimeter enough, and as long as Rudy Gobert doesn't completely butcher them on offense, yep. I could see their defensive ceiling being raised enough to where it could it, it could uh, it could manifest in, in a, a positive outcome for them. But make no mistake, this comes down to Anthony Edwards mm-hmm. and his decision making at the end of games with D'Angelo Russell. That, to me, is the big question. What are they going to do with D'Angelo Russell? Where does he fit in all of this because I mean the way he played in the postseason last year is kind of to be expected that's kind of his personality at this point and you mentioned something in passing that I think is actually a really important point regular season wise I think it's going to be successful for Minnesota but when you in in a best of seven series against a Clippers team that's playing five out and they're just going to attack you with dribble penetration and kicking out the open shooters how they handle that is going to be I think something that probably is going to kill him in the end. You know what I mean? And then you think, like, that's where a Malik Beasley and yep. a Patrick Beverly become that much more valuable. Jared Vanderbilt was an awesome perimeter wing for them last year. Like, that, I just think that the, those three together in a playoff series actually bring more value than Rudy Gobert. I know that sounds crazy to say, but make no mistake, they will be a better regular season team. They will finish higher in the standings, and that will be enough, I think, to justify the trade internally. All right, Jason Timp again, host Hoops Tonight, and uh, tell everybody where you can find all your work, podcast, and anything else. Yeah, so Hoops Tonight on the Volumes YouTube channel. You can also find it under our podcast feed under Hoops Tonight, and then you can follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT. Yeah, Awesome stuff from Tim right there. And I wanted to kind of build on the Lakers stuff, too, because obviously when you look at any odds board, the Los Angeles Lakers are going to be pretty high up there, especially out here in Las Vegas, right? This is a faux Lakers town. We're really excited about the summer league out here, but way back in the day, it shouldn't be way back, uh, but Kings and Lakers games in the preseason were absolutely uh, the nuts, if you want to call it that. A lot of popularity out here for the Los Angeles Lakers. And we know, of course, from a regular season betting standpoint, right, uh, night game, Los Angeles Lakers, more than often, uh, more often than not, is going to be the highest handle game uh, later down the list in terms of if they're playing like 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. But if you look at this from the standpoint of where they're at in the pecking order of the NBA and this potential move, it's where it gets, for me, at least a little dicey. For DraftKings, for example, right now, Los Angeles Lakers 11-1 to win an NBA title. Uh, they are right outside of those single-digit shots, right? So you have the Celtics, the Suns, the Clippers, the Warriors, and the Bucks. We're all floating around that 550, 650 range. And those are, those are like decimal points in terms of percentage when you're talking about um, implied probability and whatnot. 
But when you look at the Los Angeles Lakers as 11 to 1 and 8.3% in terms of implied probability, it might not seem like that much, but in terms of futures, uh, it is. And especially when you consider them from a power rating standpoint as currently constructed, because this is the thing about the market, right? You look at these numbers and you think 11 to 1 short. Once the Kyrie Irving thing happens, this is going to get even shorter for the Los Angeles Lakers in terms of their price to win an NBA title. And I think it's a little too short already as it is. It depends on what's going to happen. There was a report today, too, as we're kind of getting this market taking shape for what's going to be the package. Uh, according to uh, one report Mark Stein wrote in his latest Substack newsletter, Lakers are going to have to give up one of their future first-round picks. From the article, quote, leak sources maintain that the Nets are focused on trying to assemble palatable Kevin Durant trade before proceeding to Irving's scenarios. So it doesn't look like Irving will be on the way out until Kevin Durant finds a new home. And adamant in their resistance to taking back Westbrook in a theoretical Irving swap without some first-round draft compensation added by the Lakers. Remember, uh, the Lakers can trade their 2027 and or their 2029 first-round picks in a trade. Those are the two that are, of course, up for grabs potentially for the Brooklyn Nets. But I just got to say, I mean, they are going to be a good team. But when you talk about power-rated equally and or better than Golden State Warriors, Phoenix Suns, uh, Los Angeles Clippers... That's where, to me, you get a little dicey. And then you even bring in the Eastern Conference teams like Boston, like Milwaukee. And I think, again, from a market standpoint, you're never always getting preseason value on a team like the Lakers just because they're such a public brand. Uh, but for you as a better, if you're tempted by betting the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, I just don't think you get your bang for your buck. And especially if this Irving deal does come down. Because remember, it's 11-1 factors in that they're going to get Irving. Uh, but... Once they officially get them, I'm willing to bet they're going to move in the range of about 8-1, to one, depending on where you shop around. So it's going to be pretty fascinating. All right, well, let's take our break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Tom Byrne, host, Mad Dog Sports Radio. Let's get some of his observations from the early summer league play, what he's seen up to this point, and what he makes of some of these offseason moves. It's Hardwood Handicappers live from the Thomas & Mack Center for NBA Summer League. Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. 
When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our specials here, only 19 bucks. You get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. You sign up today, you'll get VEASAN's daily best bets that include Adam Burks, our baseball writer, analyst extraordinaire, his daily MLB best bets, plus NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. Wes Reynolds has been on fire in golf. If you want the full VEASAN experience, features the daily best bets, email every edition of Points Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want. It costs only 19 bucks. Be a subscriber through July 31st. Time is wasting. VEASAN.com. Slash summer. All right, we are live from the NBA Summer League Concourse of the Thomas and Max Center. You see it, it's popping. Kids taking shots in the Papa Shot, everybody drinking coffee. It's a good time out here. A lot of basketball people. Let's bring in another basketball person. We'd love to talk to him, Tom Byrne, Series XM, uh, right here on. No, he's not on set. Tom, what's going on here? What are you doing, buddy? When are you going to get out here? I know, I got to get out there. I've never been. Here's something that's going to blow your mind, JVT. I have never once stepped foot in Las Vegas, Nevada. Out of here, really? Dead serious. Now, it's probably a good thing about 15, 20 years ago, I may not have returned. I'm sure I'm not the only person who says that, but I truly mean it. But now, a little bit more mature, a little bit more responsible. I think I'd love it, but now we got the four kids. I don't know if it's a great place to take the four young kids, oldest is seven. So I don't know when I'm going to get out there, long story short, especially with the legalization of sports betting. Uh, well, let's go. Like a business conference, whatever it is, just a little white lie, then get on out here and Leave the kids at home for a couple of days. It's fine. We'll hook you up, all right? Well, Stadium Swim, I know you guys have a relationship, so you don't mind me saying it. That might get me out there alone. That thing is phenomenal. It is, and uh, it is a great place to hang out, uh, which, by the way, shout out to our folks at Circa, which we are live from the Thomas the Mac Center, but we're broadcasting out of uh, our studio right. over at Circa. All right, Tom, so let's talk a little bit. Uh, so far, have you watched anything in terms of Summer League up to this point? How much do you take in, and have you observed anything from any of these young guns? Yeah, listen, I don't get too bogged down with the summer league. The last thing you want to do is put too much emphasis in it. But a couple of things that piqued my interest. Number one, Chet Holgram. I think you and I chopped this up a little bit before. I don't know why people thought he didn't know how to play basketball. I don't know if it's a Gonzaga bias or what it is. I mean, he's a big kid who's got great handle. I don't know if he's going to fill out physically, but they eradicated the physicality a long time ago. They got rid of that. I mean, it's not 1989. It's not 2004. He'll be fine from a weak side defender standpoint. Yeah, Joel Embiid might pick him up and dunk him a couple times, but he only has to play him twice a year, once at home, once on the road. Otherwise, I think he'll be fine. Again, the handle's there. He could shoot from downtown. I get it. There's some bust potential there. The way I looked at him, JVT, is that he may have had the highest ceiling of anybody, but also I'm talking about like the top three to five guys, but also maybe the lowest floor. But the idea that Twitter's going off after he actually plays well his first summer league game. Like, did you guys not watch college basketball all year? I don't understand that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's funny. So I, I opened the show talking about this a little bit. So Twitter freaks out. The betting markets freak out, right? Uh, he goes to, and he wasn't, not that he was a long shot, but he immediately shoots up in most spots as the favorite to win rookie of the year. Well, we do have a, a different favorite over at least one shot, but that would be better Rivers than others. Uh, Paolo Bencaro, plus 350 win rookie of the year. Uh, through two games, he has looked really good, Tom, and I, I've been able to see him in person at least once. And, you know, it's funny because 
I, I was one of those that came into the draft process thinking, like, yeah, personally, I think I'd rather have Ben Carroll. Like, he looks like he can score at all three levels. He can handle a little bit. He's been running a little bit of the offense out here in Las Vegas. Uh, the passing's there. The rebounding's there. The body's already there from an NBA standpoint. I Look, it is summer league, so you don't want to freak out too much. But I thought coming in that the Magic made the right move after they drafted him. And it does seem like that is the case. He looks NBA ready. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he does. He's a guy who's going to be pretty darn solid. Going back to what I was discussing before, floors and ceilings, I thought he had the highest floor. Like, I'd be shocked if Boncaro's a bust. I also don't know if I'm going to sit here and predict any Hall of Fame tributes for the man in the next 20, 30 years. But at the same time, I like Boncaro. I will say this. I was a little surprised Jabari Smith, the kid from Auburn, fell to three. I think the Rockets may have gotten very very lucky because there's a reason this kid forever remember now on june 6th when the odds opened don carol was 26 to 1 to go number one we all thought it was jabari smith and nobody thought that was a bad decision necessarily so i think the rockets made up pretty well you know so there were a couple picks in the draft that caught my interest that was the first one right off the shoot because i think that kid could end up being better than the two in front of him but again chet holgram was the most interesting prospect because that ceiling is high, man. If he figures it out and fills out physically, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and I think Smith is one of those kids that when you see him on a court with like, you know, like Jalen Green, his game, and how open that floor is going to be, those two together, like he hasn't got off to the best start out here in Vegas. I think once you get him on the floor, though, with the teammates he's going to be playing with regularly and like really good guard play from a Jalen Green type, I think you're going to start to see like what everybody expected from one Jabari Smith, you know? Yeah, 100%. Again, I'd never get too bogged down with who looks great and yep. who does not in summer league. I mean, we could go over a million different examples of guys who played well and then fizzled out pretty quickly in their rookie year. Other guys who seemed lost almost at times in the summer league, but yet by the end of their rookie year, appeared to be on the right track to say the least. So I wouldn't get too bogged down with Jabari Smith. He'll have a game or two here where he starts to shine and Twitter will blow up, so he should have gone number one. It's all about what you've done for me lately. I don't love Jalen Green. But at the same time, he does have potential, and that duo could be an awful lot of fun to watch. Like The Rockets are going to stink last, next year. We know that. But if you're passing them on league pass, you might want to stick around for some time. They're going to be fun. Yep, they are going to be absolutely fun. Tom Burr with the Series 6M. Uh, all right, so let's talk about a couple of uh, headlines. We'll tie into some of the stuff that has happened out here in Las Vegas. You know, for example, we get the drama. Russell Westbrook, LeBron James on the same floor together, but they don't talk to another uh, one another. It does seem like uh, they, of course, are in the midst uh, of a divorce. But here's the thing, Tom. This has kind of come grinding to a halt here. Uh, it does seem one report is just we were talking about it. Nets seem dead set. Mark Stein reports uh, on shipping off Kevin Durant first before they deal with one Kyrie Irving. So as it stands right now, and this has kind of reached this standstill, has one, first off, what was your mindset in terms of where Durant ends up? And two, has it changed at all now that we kind of reached this point where, hey, look, we got a long offseason. Durant's got a four-year contract from Brooklyn. I don't really got to move on this thing. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. My prediction right away was this is going to drag on for some time. Number one, he's under contract through 2026. Number two, the Stepien rule. You only get trade but so many picks. And number three, the rookie designated rule, which means that Ben Simmons would likely have to go in any deal. That would include like a Bam Adebayo or a Devin Booker, you name them. So I think it's very tricky. Plus, add on the idea that Utah got four first-round picks plus Walker Kessler along with some bets like Beverly, the young kid Vanderbilt, and, of course, the athlete Beasley. So I think that only further complicated matters. No way Sean Marks can turn and deal Kevin Durant for anything less than Utah got for Rudy Gobert. So 
I think this is going to drag out for some time, JVT. And until we see that trade, maybe Kyrie Russ, but until, until we see that trade, I think we're going to have a little waiting period here. Like Donovan Mitchell, people think that Utah is pushing back against player empowerment the way the Sixers did with Simmons, the way that the Nets reportedly might do with Durant. I don't think it's that. I think it's they're just waiting because Miami, for example, which could offer a good package, doesn't want to offer any package until they have 100% you know, sure that they're not going to get Kevin Durant, right? Until they're 100% sure they're not going to get Durant, they're not going to go ahead and make a play for Mitchell. So long story short, it's going to take some time. I'm still leaning toward them being dealt at some point, but I am open to the idea that they might try to see if they could force his hand to come back. Yeah, this is from Eric Walden, by the way, of the Salt Lake Tribune. Quote, change is inevitable in the NBA, not trying to be cryptic or anything else. Uh, Donovan is on our roster uh, said <laughs> said the Utah Jazz CEO, Danny Ainge, uh, we're trying to build a championship team, but there's no intent to trade him. So that can mean anything, and that can mean that at any point someone comes knocking, we could ship him off. So we'll see if that's going to be the case. And again, really long offseason, so that means that a lot of these deals can be made a little bit further down the road. All right, last right. two minutes here with Tom Byrne. Uh, so I'll ask you this. Uh, as you're looking at everything overall, um, when you talk about offseason moves, has anything happened to you that has made you either A, adjust a power rating on a team, or B, I'll be tempted to play a future at this early point of the offseason. No, not really. Now, number one, admittedly, I'm trying to get the baseball up and going here, and so that's been a big part of the equation. WNBA, too. I'm having some fun with the women for the first time. Um, long story short, I have not made any future bets. I have plugged in some of the names into the new slots, into the model, but I haven't really punched out anything too significant yet. I'll have some time to do that before too long. Uh, but I hate to be boring. Right now, I have not done so. I mean, you know, obviously, you look at Philadelphia. I know you're relatively high on them. Harden was humbled to a great extent in that Miami series. Only played well in the second half of game four, so he's forced to take 15 mil less. You know, if he gets his paperwork in a couple months ago, he's sitting there with the player option, and the Philadelphia 76ers don't look as good. Uh, but the DeAnthony Melton trade was a really good one. The P.J. Tucker one will be good for the first year or two. By year three, I'm not so sure. He's 38 years of age, and I'm not going to make a big deal of Daniel House. Uh, but I do think that there's some truth to the fact that Philadelphia is probably going to be a little better. Boston's going to be better, which is scary because they just got to the finals. Malcolm Brogdon, now they don't like him in Indiana. He personally was tanking. There's no question about it. Never played. But he really improves them. So you're going to have to give Boston the benefit of the doubt in the East. And who knows about Brooklyn right now? So we shall see. As far as the West, Denver gets healthier, JVT. But what to expect from Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray? Who in the world knows? You know, Phoenix, did they miss their window of opportunity? Unless they get Kevin Durant, I get a feeling that some guys are going to be a little down on them. So it's going to be interesting. But to answer your question, no, not as of yet. Tom Burns, here, 6 All right, man. Get on out of here. Have a good show today. All right, JVT. Anytime. Yep, you got it. Good to talk to you, bud. Target Handicappers live from the NBA Summer League. Come back, second hour of the program. This is VSIN. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. Every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.